be in the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 10, verse 12. Uh, we've been going through Proverbs for about 10 weeks now. Um, this is going to be the last Sunday we're in it. As Pastor Nate said, next Sunday we're going to start uh, the Gospel of John, which I'm very excited about, and I hope that you are too. Um, but today we're going to cover our last theme from Proverbs. And we're going to, I'll just admit up front, we are leaving tons of stones unturned in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Ten weeks is hardly doing justice to all the wisdom that's in here in this book. But I hope it's been helpful to you to get a taste of it as you've been here this summer, to, to hear the wisdom that God has through the pen or whatever he wrote with of Solomon uh, back in the day and what he still has to, to speak to us as uh, as his people now. Uh, what we're going to look at today addresses uh, a thing that you see in Proverbs that I may uh, d describe as how to engage in conflict, how to engage when there's tension between us as fellow human beings and offenses and hurts that have taken place or that have been directed at, at others. Uh, there's a, a quote that comes to mind before it really honestly is similar to what we're going to read here even in the Bible. But there's a quote by a man named Alexander Pope uh, from back in the early 1700s that many of you are probably familiar with. It's pretty short and to the point. And he said this, he said, to err is human to forgive divine. And it's to err, to E-R-R, err, -R, not to A-I-R, like jump high, like we all wish we could. Uh, but he's saying to err or make mistakes, sometimes intentional, sometimes not, to err is human. That comes naturally out of us. You put a human being in this world, they are going to make errors. <laughs> like we are going to make errors. Sometimes they're devious, sometimes they're accidental. But to err is human. So there's going to be all this conflict and tension between us as human beings because of that. But he said, but to forgive is divine. And so to, to err is something that comes out of us naturally. To forgive is not something that comes out of us as humans naturally. That is something that the Lord, it flows out of him and who he is, this forgiveness, this, this resolving of conflict. But us, left to ourselves as human beings, we do not forgive. We don't even have the capacity really to forgive in a true way. That is a divine thing. And so Alexander Pope was saying that to err is human, to forgive is divine. And this text we're going to read as very short, Proverbs 10, 12, says some similar things, but this is the word of God, not of Alexander Pope. This is the word of God uh, through King Solomon that we can trust and we ought to, to pick apart and try to understand what God says to us through Proverbs 10, 12. And it reads like this. I'd encourage you to put your eyes on it on your screen or in your Bible. Um, it may sound a little bit different in yours, but it should be the same idea. Uh, Solomon wrote this to his sons, and God, I think, would have us to hear this again today. He said, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. And so what I'd like us to do today, this is going to be a somewhat abbreviated sermon because we're going to take communion together. We're going to sing a few songs uh, in celebration of what Christ has done for us. But what I'm going to do in this text is just try to first help us, help me, help you see what Solomon was just trying to point out about the world first. That's what a lot of Proverbs are, is him looking around at the world and seeing how stuff functions, how people operate, and just making an observation about it. So first I want us to see that. Like, What did Solomon see in this world that he's trying to record for his kids? Uh, as, as he was training them. 
But then I want us to step back and see how this whole idea of stirring up strife and covering offenses, how that fits in the bigger picture of the Bible. Not just in Proverbs 10, 12, which is like two little sentences, but how you see those things at play in the Bible at large, in the big story of our world and of our God. But then I want to come back by the end, hopefully, and land back in your life and in my life and see what does it look like for me to avoid stirring up strife and to actually cover the offenses of others that have been committed against me. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, it'll be uh, abbreviated, but I trust that the Lord will at least prompt many thoughts and, and things in us that we can uh, take with us and consider more as we go about our day. I wanted to first say, what was Solomon, this wise king who wrote a lot of pro these Proverbs, what did he see in the world that he's trying to capture here in a little statement? What, did, what was the observation he was making? And he was really making this observation, as he does with a lot of these Proverbs, these sayings, that he just stacked right back to back with each other. He makes an observation, makes a different observation, almost the opposite of it, and then just says, both of these things are true. And the first one he says is this. He says, hatred stirs up strife. And so what he was doing as he looked around the world and maybe even looked within himself, he sees that there is a category of people that like to just stir up stuff, like to cause problems, to cause tensions, to, to create conflict. And you'll notice he, like he does often in Proverbs, he kind of personifies hate like he did with foolishness or wisdom. He talks about it like a person. He does the same thing here in this verse. He didn't say those who are hateful stir up strife. He's almost like imagining a person, hatred, like hatred. And he's imagining this person living life and saying, they stir up strife. That is what they do as a person, is, is that they seek to cause trouble. Even when there's peace amongst the people they're around, there's no uh, tension, there's no conflict between them. What this type of person who's driven and motivated by hate does is that they cause problems when there's not any. Like, they, they revel in that. They, they love messing with people. They, they delight in causing conflict, maybe even little ones. They love uh, getting under people's skin. They love causing dysfunction and, like, brokenness. In a weird, twisted way, they like that. that. That's what they're motivated to do. They instigate stuff instead of seeking to calm it down. They take problems to people. They're the ones who are starting conflicts. Uh, I was thinking of this. I think... This was true of me when I was a child. I, th I see this most in young siblings uh, that we just love. Like if there's peace in our home or whatnot, like kids just love to like press buttons of other people, especially their sister or brother or whatever. They love to just like prod at them and goad them into responses. And they love to get under their skin and try to like make them bubble up in frustration sometimes. And they don't always think of it that way, but that's often what they're doing is, is trying to just stir up strife with their sibling. Uh, and unfortunately, many of us don't grow out of that. Uh, even as we get into teenage years and into adulthood, there's some of us, there's some people in this world, Solomon observed them, that love to stir up strife. Uh, that we love to like make statements to get under people's skins or ruffle feathers or to, to point out things that we know are going to bother people. And there's this weird twisted sense where we, out of hate really, for fellow human beings, love to stir up problems and to cause conflict, to create offense with people. And so Solomon observed that, but he also observed there's this other category of people, there's this other way of life that he calls love. Again, he doesn't say loving people cover all offenses, he says love, like he's imagining this person, love. Love covers all offenses. And so, uh, whereas the, the hateful person is almost like 
awakening something that was asleep and like and stirring stuff up causing trouble the loving person when offense is brought to them and there is tension present already there's conflict present uh, that was brought through the other person or even through them what that person seeks to do is not to stir it up and increase the conflict and like and just fan the flames of the fight but that person seeks to cover the offenses and you'll notice he says offenses here that's a pretty broad category of stuff offenses is when there's whenever there's like a brokenness in a relationship when there's a a tension a conflict a, a harm that's done from one person to another that is this broad category of offense there's a fence that's been done uh, from one person to another sometimes that's done on purpose uh, some many of our offenses that we do towards one another are on purpose like we mean to offend you like I mean to be rude to you I mean to be condescending or cutting to you um, but sometimes offenses aren't even done on purpose in our broken world sometimes we'll say something we'll let something slip or phrase something some way or uh, we won't even mean to offend the person but we do we bring harm to them we bring hurt and, and frustration or disappointment to them by our words or by our actions uh, and what Solomon says is when those things happen whether they're on purpose or not when there's a fence that's happened when there's things that have been said that that could hurt the other person what the loving person does instead of digging in and stirring up that conflict with the person as they seek to cover it they, they, they seek to to not focus on it to not look at it to not let it be the consuming thing in their life but to, they seek to cover it and when we read this when we say love covers offenses we might think of stuff like a cover-up like we just pretend like that didn't really happen we just we uh we that's often how we think of covering offenses like we're covering our own offenses like i didn't really do that like that we try to subtly deceive people and and but what this is talking about is covering up the offenses of others and not in like a manipulative, I'm, I'm Watergate, deflate gate, whatever type of way where I'm like pretending something didn't happen, but in a way like, man, you did wrong me, but I'm going to choose to cover that offense. Like I'm going to choose to not focus on that, to not let that consume me, to not let that drive the way that I treat you. That is what it means to cover an offense. In a sense, it's forgiving the person. It's, it's not holding their offense against them and letting it drive you to more hate and to more uh, tension with them. But you are fighting for peace. You are seeking to, to resolve conflict, to, to cover offenses, not to create them. Uh, that is what the loving person does. And he says that that is love that motivates that. It's not just a practical, like, hey, there's this elephant in the room. You are a jerk to me, but we need to like, get along. And so we're just going to pretend this thing didn't happen uh, just out of practical gain but he's saying that love is what leads us to cover the offenses of others it's a desire out of love for that person even when they've wronged you that I want to be at peace with you I don't want this tension I don't want this conflict with you I want to be at peace with you and so I am pursuing that and I'm willing to cover the offense that you did toward me and so Solomon, when he is capturing these observations for his kids and trying to pass on wisdom to them, he's not just wanting them to have this cool observation, oh, hateful people stir up strife and loving people cover offenses. He very obviously is saying, you be the loving person. Like that is what he's trying to get across is you be loving and you cover the offenses that others do towards you. And so that's the simple message I think the Lord would have us to hear from this text today and that I want to convey to us as our, a church family is this, is to in love cover the offense of others. 
each of us to in love cover the offenses of others. And the reason that, that I think Solomon can call people, his sons to this, his daughters to this, that God can call us to do this, because it's a, a daunting thing to cover the offenses of others, is because God has done that first. God, in his love for us, has covered our offenses. Like He's not just commanding us to do something that, that he would never do. He, he, in love for sinful human beings who've offended him, as in love said, I will cover your sins. I will cover your offenses against me. No matter how many, no matter how devious, no matter how great, uh, I will cover your offenses. And if you think about this text where he says, hatred stirs up strife, love covers all offenses. This is really, I mean, in some ways a way to summarize what's been happening in our world from the very beginning. And God's work in the world and Satan's work in the world. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, think about this. Many of you are familiar with this story. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, God had created this peaceful world, right? This garden where there was no conflict. There was no tension. There was no strife yet in this world. But Satan, the serpent, comes into that garden. And what does he do? Out of hate, he stirs up strife, doesn't he? Like he is seeking to create conflict. He's seeking to, to create something that wasn't even there, this tension between human beings and God. He's seeking to stir it up. He's seeking to wake it up, to cause conflict between humans and the God that made him, and he's successful in doing it. He's the first hater, the first one who enters hate into our world, and he does it by creating strife and by, by causing these, or not causing, but tempting these men and women, Adam and Eve, to, to sin, to go against the Lord that created them, and strife enters into our world. Conflict comes into our world. But you also see from the very beginning, God has been a God who out of love was willing to cover the offenses he was willing to, to look past them, willing to show mercy to the people who defended him. If you read in Genesis chapter 3, there's this fascinating thing that happens, uh, and it has to do with clothes, of all things, which all of you are wearing clothes today, which that is good. I'm grateful that you did. Uh, from the beginning, we've been wearing clothes, but the origin of that was after Adam and Eve sinned. After strife was stirred up and conflict was stirred up, God could have looked at them. He had told them, if you sin against me, death is coming to you. God could have struck them down in the Garden of Eden and said, you've offended me. I have every right to punish you and to, to judge you. But what God did is he made a promise to them that there would be a Savior who would come, a Savior who would bring a covering for sin, we find out later. And what God did, if you read Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it says this. It says, the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. And so God, as he looks at these guilty now human beings who have strife with him and conflict with him, God is willing to start to show them that he's going to provide a covering for their sin, that he's going to cover up their offenses. He's, he's willing to cover up the great offense that they have done against him. And he just gives a little glimpse of that by making clothes for them. I don't know how God did that. If he can speak the world into existence, he could speak clothes into existence. Uh, but they had tried to make their own fig leaf clothes, but God gives them a covering. 
God, out of love for them, says, I am willing to cover your offenses. And now we know that, that clothes don't really bring a covering for sin. There, there's not any sense by which just by wearing certain clothes that, that God now is at peace with us. But it was to be a picture that God was willing to people who defended him. He was willing to look past it. He was willing to cover up their offense. And we see this story carry on. You see God uh, with person after person in the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. Even with Solomon, the guy who wrote this, you see over and over every single human being offending God, offending God, offending God, offending God. And you see God show mercy after mercy after mercy. He shows a willingness to cover their sin, to cover their sin, to cover their sin. But we, we can't totally understand how God has done that until we get to the person of Christ. We get to the one who comes into our world, the Son of God, who comes into our world and has no offenses. He does not ever offend his Heavenly Father. He obeys perfectly. There is no strife that has been stirred up between him and God the Father. But when he goes to the cross 2,000 years ago or so, outside of Jerusalem, God the Father took our offenses, the, the strife that we have stirred up between ourselves and him, and God took those offenses and he placed them upon the innocent one. He placed our offenses upon Christ and he judged him for our offenses. He put him to death for the, the, the guilty actions we have done, the offenses we've committed against God the Father. He placed those upon his son and punished him and, and laid down all the judgment, all the punishment that should be coming to us, placed it upon his son Jesus and he did it so that he might be able to remove it from us. That he might be able to then look at our sins and cover it. Uh, because God takes our sin very, very seriously. Every single one of us, including me, has a massive problem that we have offended God over and over and over and over. And God cannot just look at it and say, no big deal, I'll cover that up. That, that, that's no big deal. Like just wave some hand to it and pretend like it didn't happen because God hates it and he's just. He has to punish it. And in his mercy, he chose to punish Christ upon the cross, to take our offenses and put them upon Christ and to truly judge them and punish them fully so that that judgment might be removed from us, that that, that, that punishment that should be on us could be placed upon Christ and so that then he could truly, with integrity and with justice, look at us and say, I cover your sins. Your sins have been covered because of the death of Christ, because he suffered for you. And God did this for us. He offered this covering for our sin out of love for us. Romans 5.8 says that God shows his love for us. If you've ever wondered this, if God loves you, he says God shows his love for us. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like God out of love sent his son Christ. Now love took our offenses and put them on the son that he loved because he loved us as well and wanted us to be freed from our sin, wanted our sin to be covered up and forgiven. This was uh, not a cheap and easy forgiveness and a cheap and easy covering. It was a costly one that came at the life uh, of his son, Jesus. But he raised him back up from the dead a few days afterward because all the judgment had been poured out on him. And then as he laid in that tomb, God the Father could now look at him and see his righteousness. He could see that he had, suffered, he had been obedient even to the point of death on our behalf. And God raised him back up to, from the dead. And Christ is alive and well. And he tells you today, 
He tells you today, I don't care how many offenses you have, how grievous they are, how numerous they are. Christ himself is willing and able to cover your offenses today. If you've never received that before, he is willing and able to do it because he's died in your place and he's been raised to life. And if you come to him in a repentance, a, a turning away from your sin, a, a saying, Lord, I am so sorry. I have offended you over and over and over and over. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I know that Christ died for me. I know he's been raised. I, I place my trust in him because I'm no good. Like if you will come with that attitude of faith, you are offered a covering for your sin that you cannot do on your own. A, a covering for your sin that you cannot accomplish by good deeds or good works. I would, I would urge you uh, to do that today. To come not with some complex prayer, but to come in simple turning from your sin and putting your trust in Christ and you will have your sin covered. <laughs> There's a Psalm, 30, a Psalm 32 that I read a few times this week uh, that's, that says this. I love this. The psalmist said, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Then he says this, whose sin is covered. He even uses that phrase. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. But then he, he goes down in verse 5 of that same psalm. And because sometimes we may think, well, I can cover my own sin. Like, I, I have this ability to, I've had this bad record. I can clean it up. I can cover my sin. But how he says this in verse 5 of Psalm 32, he says to God, he says, I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. So he's saying, I'm not covering it. He says, I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And so he, he, there's this temptation we have to think we can cover our sin. We can put on these good works and this covering that will cover myself. And now God will receive me. But this psalmist says, no, like I'm not trying to cover my sin. Like I can't do that. If anything, I'm coming with all of it open to you, Lord. Like I can't hide it. You will see it. You hate it. I know you hate it. I'm coming to you as a sinner, one who's offended you greatly. But he says, as he confesses his sins to the Lord, that the Lord forgives his iniquity, that the Lord covers his iniquity. And that is true of us today, that if we come in, in confessing our sin and trust in Christ, our sins will be covered. And so that is what's happening in the big picture. But I want to land, before we take communion, trying to drive back down into our lives as Christians. Our lives, if we're followers of Christ, how he wants us to live in light of that. If, if God is a God who, out of love, covers our sins, then guess what? As his people, we are called, out of love, to cover the offenses of others. And I, I do not say, I know I am fairly young in my life in comparison to many. I do not call you today to cover offenses in a trite way and acting like that is easy to do. Because I know there are many of you in this room, and I looked around in the early service and I could look around now, and I know some of your stories and I know some of the offenses that you've received at the hands of others. And there is awful stuff that have been offenses that your mind goes to right now. That you remember the offenses, whether it's recent or in the past, that have been done towards you. And you may think that, that there's no way I could cover that. There's no way I will cover that. 
There's some of you who've been abused. There's some of you who've been betrayed by people who are close to you. There's people who've been deceived. There's people, kids maybe, but it happens in adults, who've been bullied by people. There's been people who've ignored you, people who've made fun of you, people who've taken advantage of you, who've used you, who've manipulated you. There's people who've slandered you, spoken evil against you or about you. There are all sorts of massive offenses just represented in this room, I promise you. And then there's all these little offenses that that pile up in our life as well. There's uh, being yelled at by our parents or uh, being unappreciated by our children. There's uh, being on the wrong end of some rude customer's bad day. There's being cut off in traffic. Uh, There's all sorts of small offenses that, that pile up in our lives day after day after day. But God calls us as his people over and over again in the Bible. And I would say Proverbs 10, 12 was another example. He calls us as his people to lovingly cover offenses. Lovingly cover all offenses, this text said. Cover all offenses. Because we have had our sins covered. We ought to be people who out of love are willing to cover the offenses of others. At times, that may look like what the Bible calls forbearing with another person. There, there are some, many small offenses that happen over and over and over. Maybe have even happened this morning in your life that maybe you don't have even opportunity with that person or it's not appropriate to actually have like a conversation and to confront them and to process it and talk about it and apologize and express forgiveness. Sometimes that's not possible and it's not even appropriate at times. And there's many, many times in our lives God calls us to cover the sins and the offenses of others against us simply by forbearing, which means I am not going to retaliate to you. I am not going to to hold this over you. I'm not going to lash back out at you. I'm not going to, I'm going to, in a sense, cover this and ignore it and operate as if it didn't happen. Uh, That is sometimes how the Lord calls us to cover the sins of others is by forbearing. But typically, especially for believers, what covering the sins, the offenses of others against us is what the Bible calls forgiving. Where there is a willingness and an appropriateness to say, man, you wronged me. That hurt me badly. That offended me, what you said. Like, that offended me, what you did. It hurt me. And I want to talk about that. And to have a willingness to hear that person and hopefully them to apologize and own that. But for you, regardless, to be able to express to that person, like, I am covering this. I am forgiving you of this. I'm not going to treat you in light of the way that you have treated me. Like, I, I am genuinely covering this sin. And I want to tell you this. And I wish I had more time to talk about this. When we cover offenses, it's not pretending like it didn't happen. It's not, like, especially with grievous sins, it's not acting as if, man, now we have to be best friends if you've deeply, deeply done wrong against me or hurt me. There may be appropriateness and slowness to re-engage or some, some separation that needs to take place. But in my heart and soul, I ought to never wish ill upon you. I ought to never, like as I speak of you or think of you, as you've offended me, like wish ill upon you, think ill about you, and and to to wish harm upon you. There's a, a release in my soul and in my heart at minimum that I make towards you. But when we, in normal circumstances, I think it is appropriate to engage and seek to reconcile even very practically with one another. When we cover offenses of other people, we ought to do it and have no intention of uncovering it again. 
There's so many times in my life where I'll, I'll cover an offense of somebody, but I, I'm remembering full well it's under there. And when it's convenient for me, I'm going to pull that off and say, you remember what you said? You remember how you always do such and such? And we, we uncover it again and say, here it is. And then we put our cap back on as if we've really forgiven them. And that is not how the Lord forgives us. And that ought not to be how we forgive one another, where we're just waiting to uncover it again and say, remember your offense against me? We, when we cover offenses, we ought to leave it covered and not bring that back up with them, not call them back to it again, but genuinely leave it covered and treat them out of love and treat them out of forgiveness. And we are called to love and to cover offenses because that is what God has done for us. Jesus himself and John, the gospel that we're going to start next week, in John 15, said this. Jesus said this, not me. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He said, you love one another as I have loved you. And as Christ has loved us, is he looked at us who've offended him, and he covered it. And he's left it covered out of love for us and our call then is to love our fellow humans and especially our fellow Christians in that way where we out of love are following the example of Christ of covering the offenses that are done toward us as hard and as challenging as that may be we started with that quote that said uh, to err is human and to love or to forgive divine uh, using the language of this text from Proverbs we may say to offend is human to cover offenses is divine. Uh, we may think that, man, only God can cover offenses. That, that's something us humans don't come, it doesn't come naturally to us, it doesn't come easy to us, but covering offenses is not simply divine. Like covering offenses is something by the Holy Spirit that God enables us to do. Even when we've been wronged, even when we've had offenses against us, he can empower us and he calls us to cover those offenses.